enjoy the show. Beaming at you from the depths of the internet. This is the Temple of Geek Talkcast. Your one stop for all things geek. All things geek. This is the Temple of Geek Talkcast, episode 21. A conversation with Danielle Davarona. I am your host, Daniel. And on today's episode, I get to chat with local Austin artist, Danielle Davarona, to learn more about her. So without further ado, I would like to introduce my guest, whose name you've already heard twice, Danielle Davarona. Danielle, how are you doing today? I'm awesome, thank you. How are you? I am fantastic. Yay! I wanted to get you on the show just so we can kind of learn a little bit more about you. We met you at the HeroCon in Austin a couple weeks ago. We got to do kind of an on-spot interview with you, got to hear a little bit, but I kind of wanted to bring you on the show and just talk to you a little bit more in depth and just get to know you a little bit and just get the word out of who you are. Oh, thank you so much. I super appreciate it. Awesome. Well, I kind of just want to start from the beginning. How, how did you learn that you had a talent for art? Um, it started when I was really young. I had um, like an interesting family grouping. It was my mom, my grandma, my uncle and me. And so um, whenever I was living at home and, you know, I would come home from school, my mom would be at work and my grandma and my uncle would take care of me. And my uncle was a jeweler, so he would teach me how to draw. And he taught me the way that they teach you um, in more advanced art classes where you break down the figure into circles and do all those types of things. Um, I, I learned that stuff when I was like two or three. And so I would take those little golden spined children's books and trace over Mickey Mouse and all my favorite little characters that were in there and break their body parts down into circles and shapes. And then, you know, I, it just it kind of grew from there. But it was always a hobby. Um, whenever I was in high school, I never took art classes or anything. I was always in band track and swimming. And I was in like really advanced classes. So it was never anything that I focused on until I flunked myself out of uh music school in college so it was like totally not on my radar to be my career or anything until I got older and I tried some things and I uh you know like didn't didn't have luck on my side for that stuff so my mom was like just take an art class you've always been so good at it and I was like well what if you know what if I don't get anything out of it and she's like well you're not going to be any worse off than you are now so <laughs> You might as well That's try. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the worst part would have just been to not try it and regretted it the whole, you know, the whole time. I don't know what I would be doing now, but I'm I'm so very glad that all of those things did not work out. <laughs> well, how old do you think you were when you actually learned that you actually could draw? Oh, I mean, I was I was two when I realized I had a knack for it. I mean, it was just something that I picked up instantly once I had motor skills. Um, I remember watching Pappy Land as a kid, which was like a really strange, cute TV show where you could send in your drawings and stuff. And it was something that I would tune into every week as a little kid. And my drawings would look just like his. So I would send them in and, um, you know, it was it was it was just a fun, fun thing. So I guess I started getting. Like, I knew that I was okay at it once I realized that my drawings looked like somebody else's that was that was good at it. So, like, I don't know, I guess that was around five. Once I realized I was a little bit better than, like, maybe a couple of other kids in my class. Now, you mentioned that you had broke down, or were breaking down the characters and stuff. Is that something that you were taught, or you just kind of learned that yourself? 
Um, my uncle taught me how to look at like figures, like the human figure, um, like anatomy and do it. So I just appropriated that knowledge to my children's books because I was more interested in drawing uh, Mickey Mouse than I was in drawing like a realistic looking human once I, when I was younger. That's awesome. I, I've always tried to understand like the circles and how to, cause like I watched one of your videos where you like, you do the circles and you kind of erase the part and you draw the parts in. And I'm just like, how do you do that? So it's just, it's just really cool that you, you were able to learn that at such a young age. Well, thank you. I mean, it really is just as simple as the, the drawing books teach you. The part that frustrates me about those, though, is that, you know, you, you go through the circles and you break down the, the figure and the shape, and then all of a sudden you jump from that to this finished, like, colored in, pristine looking realistic dog or whatever. And I'm just like, wait a second. Two steps ago, we had circles, maybe a couple outlines with no weight to them whatsoever. What happened? Are we reading the same book? Are we on the same page? So Circle, circle, bam, dog. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like I, I still suffer uh, sometimes from the in-between stages. Um, I'm still learning how to make hair look really good. I'm still learning how to make eyeballs look like they're actually looking at you or engaging in the characters. Um, I'm still learning some things that are, you know, technically I feel like really basic, but, you know, whenever you start pushing yourself more and more, you start really nitpicking the things that you're focusing on. So I might be, you know, being hypercritical, but I feel like I'm still constantly in that beginner stage where I'm just, you know, floundering in the learning process. From what I've seen, I mean, that's, I think you're like way out there. I mean, you're not, you're not, you're not beginner. I mean, Aww. some of the artwork that you had was awesome. And I, I really, I really enjoyed some of the artwork that you had. Um, and we'll talk about one of those pieces here in a second. But how did, you know, your your style is anime manga style. How did you decide that that was your forte? Um, It came about much later. I always drew cartoon proportioned things, but I never really settled in on a style very happily that I was, you know, really pleased with or that I felt like I could push myself in. And like I said before, I uh, I really was more of a hobbyist than anything, so it wasn't like I was trying to refine my skills. I was just really learning that I had them in the first place. Um, and I didn't get into anime until I was in college, which is crazy late, I feel like, and such a travesty, really, because uh, high school would have been prime otaku years. I was in band camp. I was like that nerdy child that needed Netflix in her life, and I just, you know, it didn't exist yet. But um, I, it would have been perfect. It would have just been perfect. I never would have left my room. I'd probably still be living with my parents and like be happy and just drawing under my bed with my kitty. Um, after I got into anime in college, I really started honing in on my drawing skills after I graduated because, you know, for school, I had to do a whole lot of um, fine art pieces like uh, realistic looking paintings, figure studies, uh, still life, all that kind of stuff. And it was very stodgy and, um, like I said, fine art. I'm, I'm much more of an illustrator. I like telling stories with images. It's not something that was like looked upon happily for my school. 
So once I graduated, I was really able to start delving into character development and stuff. And anime style just seemed to be um, the thing that I could make look the most convincing or push the hardest. That's awesome. That uh, picture that you sent me today, I mean, it was just, you said this is the the work that we got um, or a commission that I'm working on. And it was just like, bam. And I was just like, you just kind of threw that together. I mean, that just came out of nowhere. And it was just, it's really awesome style. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know, your artwork's just fun to look at. Well, thank you so, so much. <laughs> One of the things that I've seen is you're non, um, a non-anime-inspired art is a picture of Leonard Nimoy that you did. Um, <laughs> for some reason, I really love that picture. And I saw that you did a video on it online where you actually kind of sh- show how you drew it. Mm-hmm. Do you, is doing these other styles like Leonard Nimoy or science fiction or anything like that, it, do you feel comfortable getting out of your comfort zone, as it will, for your anime stuff to do those other things, or do you not have a problem drawing those other styles? I mean, I would say, I mean, honestly, honestly, all of it scares me. A white piece of paper is still, for whatever reason, the scariest thing in the whole world to me. It's like a bunny in a snowstorm. It's just full of potential. It could literally turn into anything, and it's kind of like, up to my hands and my brain to communicate together and unlock whatever secret is in there. And I know it sounds super cheesy, but no, that's actually a really cool way to explain that. Actually. It's, it's, I don't know. It's really hard. Sometimes like that piece that I showed you, it was like, it was in my hands before I ever, I don't know, before I ever thought about it, it didn't feel like I thought about that drawing at all. Like it just came out of me and it was really strange because it was one of those like high growth period things. Um, the Leonard Nimoy sketch was also one of those things where I had been struggling a lot with drawing even, you know, like pseudo realistic people because I had been drawing anime style for such a long time. So, um, to go back to something that I had done a lot as a, as a younger person, but, you know, had neglected for a while, my skills were really rusty. So I prepped before I did that drawing by drawing a couple of of just, you know, people at coffee shops or little figure studies here and there. Uh And um, it was it was a good refresher. You know, it was nice. But ultimately, I was still really nervous to draw him because I am terrible at drawing men. I love drawing women. They're easier. They have curves and I'm much more comfortable with drawing curves. So drawing a male, drawing a human person that is supposed to be recognizable in a tribute form was like a whole bunch of pressure, but I really like pushing myself too. So I'm not afraid of the challenge. You really need to get that picture made into a print so I can get it from you. Oh, you, you can just buy the original. It's sitting like right here under a pile of uh, <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Never sell your originals. You want to keep your artwork. Oh, God, no, like, no, no, it's, it's, it's here to be enjoyed and hopefully not by just me. So, oh, we may have to definitely talk about that thing because I really like that piece. I'm about that. <laughs> I am about that life. So I need to ask, what does Miss Deverona do as a full-time job? So, um, super fun story. I am a sign painter for a local restaurant that um, has expanded a lot recently. And so we open stores all over the country, and I am part of their decor team. And as a sign painter, I create custom happy hour signs. I assist with creating Elvis shrines. And then um, I just, I don't know, kind of like Mod Podge other art stuff together, like anything that needs custom hand-painted detailing, I'm that hand-painted detailer. And then I go and install the artwork that I make with the decor team whenever we open a new store. 
So that's really awesome. So you actually are you're not you're not doing physical paintings and stuff as a living, but you're actually in some sort of art field as your job. I am literally doing physical paintings. They're just on like giant big pieces of wood and oh, okay. other kinds of other stuff. Yeah. It's uh, it's actually working with oil paint. It's really crazy. It's one of I didn't know this job existed until I got it. And it's one of the few like physical medium art jobs out there that's still prized in some regions. I don't know. It's like a lost art. It's really strange. It's got its own culture. And it's kind of funny because now that I'm in it, um, like now that I'm a sign painter, I know about other sign painters. And it's kind of like the city of Austin is broken up into sign painter factions, like graffiti tagging. And you can't go into somebody <laughs> else's neighborhood or you're going to get like oil swiped. And like your car is going to look like, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm making that part up. All these other sign painters are like 80, so they probably couldn't find me if they wanted to. But anyway, they might chase you down on their walkers. Yeah, it's just it's it's hilarious. No, no, sign painters are the most able-bodied people I have ever met in my life, and they are all Methuselah. They are all ancient. They are all on like. Uh, flaxseed, wheatgrass, and whatever other vitamins that you can think of. And they are all like in tune with Mother Earth. It is the craziest thing how alike they all are. Is this a future that you see yourself <laughs> becoming? I just don't want to turn into one of those friends. I love those people. They are very interesting to learn things from, but I just really want to be a crazy cat lady, not a crazy wheat thistle lady. There's a there's a difference in my world and you have to be able to like stay home to be a cat lady. You have to be able to like spread your oats and seeds and float on the breeze. If you're a wheat thistle person, I can't be the wheat thistle person. (laughs) Well, let's say someone wanted to come to the Austin area to hunt down your artwork. Where would one need to look to find, find, find your art? Yeah, probably social media. (laughs) I honestly don't have a ton of it out there. I am a brand new person on the scene of selling art or being confident enough to share it with people other than like, you know, like my mom (laughs) or my work. So you're saying you don't have territory in Austin? You don't, you don't. Oh, I haven't. Slash oil painted anybody. No. (laughs) But one day, one day very soon. One day very soon. I HeroCon really put um this crazy bug in my brain to start selling my art. It was such a um I don't know, like an adrenaline rush. It was it had to be the equivalent of jumping off of a mountain, um, a very small mountain. But it was really awesome because it so, totally got me jazzed about selling stuff. That was your first con? Uh huh. Did it go well for you? Um, yeah, I would say so. I mean I had I had very minimal as in like no expectations for it in terms of how much money I would make. It's a first year con. So we had projected numbers for about a thousand people to show up over the course of the whole day. And I figured that meant that the con um, showroom floor that that we were on was going to be really slow for most of the day. So I honestly didn't even think I was going to make enough money to make um, like break even on my booth. And I was able to do that, which was so awesome. And not only that, but I met some of the coolest people. I met you guys. I met the um, awesome artist that does effects for uh, Face Off, Eric Zapata. 
Yeah, he was so awesome. He was super cool. Yeah, we and we spoke to him a little bit too. Oh, did you? His you Baba head was so brilliant. The texture of it was beautiful. The eyes were gorgeous and so eerily realistic. It, everything on that was just on point. As a Miyazaki enthusiast, I was just so blown away by his ability to capture those characters. Sorry to gush about another person, but oh my gosh. Oh, you're fine. Um, but yeah, so as like the, the other Miyazaki child at that con, I was really worried that, um, it was going to be mostly comic book conventions. So I didn't think that I was going to get very much traffic, but it felt like every girl aged 14 to 22, uh, flocked to me in some strange way. Like, um, like I was con mom or something (laughs) because I have like the mothering instincts of a, uh, like a praying mantis. So it was really strange, but very heartwarming to be like um, mother hen to all these youngins. And I'm 25, so I make myself sound old, but uh, it just, they felt so much younger and so much more pure than me. And they were just so like, oh my gosh, you're so nice. I was like, oh my gosh, you don't know me. I feel like a a terrible person, but I love you because you're not my mom and I'm not like paying you to say these nice things about me. Please don't leave. So then you had those annoying guys from Temple of Geek bothering you. Oh my God, you're so terrible with their enthusiasm and, you know, like zest for life. (laughs) No, it was, it was, it was great. Um, Marcus, he he stopped and talked to you first, and then we jumped in, started having a conversation with you. And we're like, we got to get her on film. I mean, your energy was just awesome for that con. <laughs> it was, yeah. I was like, we have to get her on film. We have to do an interview with her. Um, Jeff was upset because he wanted to do the interview with you because he was just like, holy crap, she was so fun. But, yeah, it was it was really cool. Um, we we were really glad to meet you. Oh, you guys are so awesome, and I felt so lucky to be able to be approached by you guys. I've never done any of this kind of stuff before. This was my very first podcast. That was my very first interview. I totally wish that I could take some parts of it back because I realized that I had such a potty mouth, and my mom texted me yesterday, and she was like, Danielle, you are so eloquent. Why do you pick these terrible words to express yourself? Oh. And I, was, I thought it was great because you were like, can we cuss? And Jeff was yelling in the background, yes. <laughs> I know. I love that you guys kept uh, that part in there, like where where I asked. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I was just like, oh, gosh, I am okay. <laughs> but anyway, um, I it just showed your enthusiasm. Yeah, I, mean, I, I enthuse a lot. I emote lots. I, I have lots of that. In, in me and I have to get it out so it's silly sometimes and I get real overzealous but it's crazy because in front of the camera whenever I'm doing my YouTube stuff I get really afraid like I feel like after a couple of minutes like my eyes feel like they're falling into the camera and I don't know where to look anymore because there's no pupils it's just like a big 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 black hole instead of like little moving holes attached to a face that have emotions and uh-huh. so like YouTube is very difficult because it's like, I don't know what it does to me, but it makes me feel like Alice, like I'm just falling into this hole and I'm like staring and looking for these people to accept and love me. And because I can't see it, I just don't know what to do. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's it's new territory. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a scary place for me, too. I mean, we're starting to venture into the YouTube territory and it's 
it's kind of scary. It's like, did they actually like what we just posted? So. <laughs> I know. You're constantly trying to validate everything, and you can you can look at everything you do, and of course, there's like the the positive or the negative. You can sit there and go, oh my gosh, I love that. But then if you if you want to, you can play devil's advocate and go, but what if somebody doesn't like it? What wouldn't they like about it? How would I change that if I didn't? Do I need to change it? Is this me? Is Am I being me right now? Who is me? What is this idea of self? Oh, my God, I'm having a crisis. And so that I am is, talking to myself. Right. And and then whenever I do that, I have to backtrack and be like, oh, my God. I'm like Katniss, you know, just repeating my little mantra to myself. My name is Katniss Everdeen. I came from District 12. Everything is ruined. My name is Danielle Davarona. I'm a sign painter at Chewy's. I'm 25 years old and I have two cats. (laughs) So forgive me if I get the character wrong because I don't watch a lot of anime. I watch some of the more mainstream stuff, not some of the other other things that I, I know that you're into. So, yeah. when we met you, you were dressed as Totoro, correct? Yeah. Did I say that correctly? Totoro, Totoro. It's a, I Totoro. mean, I'm probably okay. Totoro. wrong. Who knows? So, uh, that's a character from the uh, from the movie My Neighbor Totoro. Uh-huh. Totoro, however you say it. Sorry. I don't so, think it's fine. You're good. Are, are you into cosplay? I love cosplay. What are some of the other characters you dressed as? Okay, I just started... All of it. So I just started cosplay this year. Um, that uh, HeroCon was my third convention to attend. Um, the first two conventions that I attended were IkiCon last year and the year before. So uh, those were, were bigger conventions, and they were really cool. The first year I just kind of did um, like a little nod at steampunk-esque clothes because I, I do love the steampunk idea, but I don't live it. So I don't feel like I can really call myself a, a steampunk enthusiast because, yeah, I like tiny hats, but who doesn't like tiny hats? So um, I my first cosplay ever, uh, you can find on my Facebook and other things at Dark Red Heart, but uh, it was Misty from Pokemon because I love Pokemon and the, originally, woo, the original 150 are like the tits, hands down, just like the best ones. And Misty was the coolest human ever. And my Can you favorite, sing the song? I want the Pokemon rap. The very best. I cannot sing the Pokemon rap. It's too fast and there are too many. They can't fit under my hat. But I can make up lyrics to the original theme. I can sing about Pokemon. Cause catching them was my dream. When I was ten. Yeah, I loved them. They were so true. The courage that pulled me through classroom recess and after school. Perkin man, gotta get Jimmy, gotta get Jimmy. Sorry, I went all like Cartman at the end. I was getting ready to say, you started going into the full Cartman mode there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jim Pokemon. Jim Pokemon. Kitty Pips. Bad Mr. Kitty. No, seriously, my cat's fighting. Stop. Bad Mr. Kitty. Mr. Kitty. <laughs> <laughs> so you did Misty, and we saw you in um, Totoro. Um, any other characters? Those are my two. I am currently working on my first armor build, though. Uh, actually, technically, I'm working on two. One of them is Phoenix Quest, 
Finn from League of Legends. I started her like four months ago, but I'm filming the progress of making it from start to finish at a friend's house. So all of my materials are there and she's moved. We've had some weird stuff go on. So uh, we're just like constantly in the process of making that costume. One day it will be done. Um, the other costume that I have to finish before August is uh, Pyrrha Nikos from Ruby, the Rooster Teeth anime. Okay. So Rooster Teeth is a local production company, and the main person who directed and worked on Ruby was named Monty Ohm, and he passed away super sadly last year or earlier last year. Yeah, last year. Um, due to like a really weird uh, circumstance at the hospital, he went in for a routine procedure and then they like put him under and I guess he just like never woke up. Um, and he was 33. It was really sad. But Rooster Teeth allowed Weird Girls, the, um, the YouTube production space that I work with, to um, judge the cosplay contest and kind of host Rooster Teeth convention this year. So we're all doing a giant group cosplay together of all the characters from Ruby. So I decided to be Pyrrha, and I'm really excited. That's awesome. Yeah. So that kind of brings me into my next question here. You mentioned Weird Girls. Um, at, at, that's a website that you're involved with. How, how did you how did you get involved with them, and can you kind of explain what Weird Girls is all about? Yeah, absolutely. So. Weird Girls, or rather, I guess we're rebranding, so very soon it will be The Weirdlings. Um, The Weirdlings is a group that's represented largely by females who empower young nerdlets to express themselves and find, um, well, yeah, I say nerdlets, but, you know, it's Weirdlings. Like, we're all just weird, happy little friends, and Weirdlings is um, like a, what's it called? A term for everybody, like a, an ambiguous term or whatever. Mm-hmm. So everybody is included. Everybody can be a weirdling. Everybody is loved and accepted in our community. And so we empower women to be like the figureheads or the, the talking points for uh, their specific interests. And I happen to be, I guess, like what you could say, their resident art girl. So anything that's art anime related, um, I kind of cross all different kinds of um, topics, you know. I could do art from video games or cosplayers or, or whatever, and that's still accepted. But there are other people who are in charge of their own things, like Danny Danger is in charge of all things comic books. Kelly Nova does all things cosplay. Zombie does all of our um, let's plays and gaming things. So we have lots of different girls and other girls Um uh, Amanda Dawn does Disney and Chandler Baker does books. We have lots of other different contributors who, um, together we make like a band of sisters and a couple brothers that, uh, that, you know, just like empower nerd, nerdy people. That's awesome. Yeah. And the way I got started with them was a friend of mine that I met through Facebook. Um, whenever I moved here, I didn't know a ton of people. And so actually, I don't think I really knew anybody except for the person I was moving in with. Um, down here in South Austin, North Austin, I knew like five people, but, um, it was really hard to like get up there while I was working and doing all my other stuff down here. So I was like lonely and I was really interested in all of this nerdy stuff, but I didn't know how to get into it. You know, I had watched animes and done things since college, but I didn't know how to be a, an anime person with anime friends or whatever. So 
I looked for a couple of groups. I just typed in anime groups or costume groups in um, into Facebook for Austin, and I found a couple of cosplay groups. So I went to the meetups. I met my friend Sherwin, and he's an amazing photographer, a local photographer who does all kinds of awesome work. He just got published in a magazine for the first time this week. Very proud of him. Um, but awesome. yeah, I'm super, super excited for him. And he also just did a project with me and his girlfriend and another friend, uh, where we were all dressed up as things in a comic book store. I got to be Totoro again, which was super great, but, um, it was like my second or third photo shoot and it was super silly. I really liked it, but he was doing a couple of photo shoots for weird girls over the holidays last year and they needed somebody or he needed somebody to help hold his camera equipment and set up things. I'd never done any of that before, but I wanted to be a part of it. So I asked him if I could help and he said yes. So he let me come and like figure out really quick how to load and unload his camera equipment. I can't believe he let me touch any of it because it's worth more than my life. But um, I was really careful and, you know, I, I really just wanted to help and be a part of everything in like in the background. And he let me do that. And, um, Kelly Nova needed a little bit <clears throat> of work with her hair so that she could make this hot glue gun stick into it for the photo shoot. And mm-hmm. so um, I was like kind of playing hair and makeup with her, trying to use bobby pins and hairspray that we didn't have in the cord that the, the glue gun came with to wrap it in like a honeycomb shape on her head <laughs> so that we could make it stay. And um, the producer, Mark, was just like very excited to have um somebody in there who is excited to help and just very positive um and i had had ideas for a couple of things that i would have loved to do for youtube for a long time i was one of those people that always watched youtube but never had the balls to like make a video i Mm -hmm. thought about doing it for like four years but with that opportunity right there in my hand i was just like holy shit if i don't talk to this guy i'm gonna kick myself forever so I pulled him aside after the photo shoot and I was like, hey, my name is Danielle. It's really nice to meet you. I loved working with Kelly. I thought she was really great. I don't know if you're interested in anything, but I have a couple of ideas. And so I pitched a few things to him. And one of them was like a very dumb uh, thing that I still want to do, which is like a coffee shop uh, idea where like it was a weekly series where a girl goes into a coffee shop and she doesn't say anything, but you hear what she's thinking and she's mm-hmm. sitting there. And she gets her coffee and shit, and she has a really dumb, awkward exchange with the barista every time. And then she goes and spies on the different tables that show up there. Because everybody goes and talks at the coffee shop. Moms and daughters go to tell each other they hate each other at the coffee shop. People go to break up with each other at the coffee shop. People go to meet each other for the first time at the coffee shop. So I wanted to be this person that spied on other people and judged people. Um, They didn't go for that. So what they did go for was the idea of me teaching people how to draw and how to art things. I was going to do it drunk because I thought it would be cool to have like a My Drunk Kitchen parody or something. Um, but there were two problems with that. One was that I don't drink, really. Uh, so I would have had to develop a habit to make it consistent. And uh, honestly, I don't real, really know what I would have been like drunk. And so not really safe. Oh, I mean, it would have been safe. It wasn't like I was cooking with knives, you know, but I just, like, uh, <laughs> at some point, I have a feeling that the walls would have looked like a, a larger and funner canvas than the canvas I was working on, or that my cat, which is white, I've done this before, 
um, if I've been drunk, but like I'll draw eyebrows on my cat sometimes because he's all white, <laughs> and uh, I'll forget about it. And then like the next morning, you know, he'll run in and he'll be like, "Hey, mom, what's up? I'm hungry," and I'll be like, "Oh my god, you have eyebrows. You look grumpy." But uh, yeah, that could happen. Or um, Mark was like, you know, YouTube has a drinking problem. I don't want your content to be based on the fact that you have like a pseudo addiction. And I was like, well, I I see what you mean. I don't. I really don't. Truthfully, I don't. But uh, I don't want to perpetuate the persona that you need to drink in order to have fun or to make videos or good content. So um, I'm now that I'm in the throes of making videos, I'm really glad that I don't have to be drunk because drunk on top of like all the other nerves that I experience on a day-to-day basis would just be sad (laughs) it would be me crying at the at the thing going just accept me just the line isn't perfect (laughs) my hands are shaking don't look (laughs) so one of the videos I watched online was uh you doing the cover the I guess you would say not the actual cover but the mock-up or the I don't know, a reproduction. Oh, yeah, the recreation. Yeah. From the book Alive. It, one thing I kind of just, I enjoy watching the videos, the humor that, that it's in the video. I don't know if you, if that's scripted or ad-libbed. I mean, is, is how, how do you do those videos? Is it just all what comes to your head right then and there, or do you have like an actual script Both that you follow? The ad-lib. Um, every, I've, I've been getting into a little bit more of a uh, structured filming. I wouldn't call it scripted because I don't sit there and write down everything that I'm going to say, but I do spend at least, I don't want to say a day, but um, the way that my job works, I'm actively painting a lot of things that are not very difficult to paint. So my brain is free to do whatever it wants to do while my hands are kind of arrested in whatever it is that I'm painting at the moment. So Mm -hmm. I'll sit there and and act out in my head or in my office by myself while I'm painting my episodes and kind of go through the process of what I'm doing. That way um, I'm not thinking as much about what I'm saying whenever I'm teaching and I can let the jokes that happen whenever I'm really sitting there in front of the camera happen naturally. Um, I'm, I really want to take an improv class because I don't feel like my delivery is always the best. I, I tend to forget what I'm saying halfway through things because I get nervous. And then like my commitment meter goes all the way down to zero. So it's like telling a really awesome story and then ending it at like, and then, um, he got toilet paper on his shoe and that was it. It's, and it's, that's it, I'm done. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's jarring and it doesn't work and it doesn't fit with anything. And then you just, you're leaving your audience going like, ugh, okay, good try. Your poor little brain got so tired there. Um, and what's worse is that you can watch it in my eyes, like whenever the hamster starts to stop running in the wheel in my brain, like you can see it. And it's really strange to me. Like, if you sit there and pay attention, I don't know, I guess it's just because it's in my brain. But I feel like I can see when my brain leaves me and when I start to trail off in the videos. And then for me as a viewer, I'm just, like, cheering myself on, like, no, you can do it. Get back on track. You're okay. <laughs> you got I was going to say, I didn't notice any of that watching the videos, so. Oh, uh, I am just way too critical of myself then. So, I mean. I thought the videos were very humorous, especially like at the very beginning, because you, you made a mistake and you went, you know, it's just like. <laughs> yeah, 
I always keep that stuff in there. Um, my very first YouTube video, my producer, Mark, edited it, and it turned out so amazing. So he set this really crazy, um, unrealistic bar for me to try to achieve every single time I make a video. And he tells me not to base things on that first one because he edited it all, and he's been editing for years. But I can't help it. I'm a perfectionist. So um, the way that he edited it, there's kind of a formula for how to present your humor and when it's like good to do and because I have the added element of teaching drawing skills on top of just like making a funny video that that has to come across as well like the teaching part has to be very um what is the word that I'm looking for like intentional um that has to be that's like you know first and foremost I'm there to teach you how to draw yeah we're supposed to have fun yeah it's really good but you know my fun is serious fun I am seriously into drawing. I'm seriously about it. I'm seriously, like, excited every time I sit down to, to paint things and seriously nervous every time, too. Are there plans for you to start your own site? Uh, they are in the brain works. They are not in the online space yet, but they are definitely in the works. What will your site be, if you don't mind me asking, if you could tell me the secrets, will it be a geek-oriented site, or will it just be pretty much a straight-up art site? Um, if we're talking about my personal site, it will be just art. Um, I am a content contributor for Weirdlings, and uh, we have a website, www.weirdlings.com, and we attempt to be, on top of, you know, a content contributor space, a news-oriented space where you can get updates on your favorite, you know, comic stuff or Disney stuff or anime stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that site will be that site is up. It will be rebranded soon. Uh, but right now it is weirdgirls.com. And that's where you can find a lot of my videos. You can find other things that I'm interested to interested in, too, because all of the other girls talk about stuff that I also care about. So it's my like happy haven space to go and talk about things that I think are fun and nerdy and, and great. Well, a couple of nerd questions here. Are you a gamer? I used to be. I don't have time for it anymore. What games did you play when you when you were a gamer? And I'm throwing up the quotes here. Oh uh, no! Uh, yeah, air quotes all around. Um, so when I used to game, I used to be like the most hardcore Harvest Mooner you've ever heard of in your life. Okay. <laughs> I could hoe the shit out of a backyard. You have no clue. Watch <laughs> out, cabbages. They they are so upgraded. Five stars. I could get a wife in a year or less. Hey yo. Um, sadly and very realistically, I owned like every single version of Harvest Moon from N64 to now. So I love that game. Uh, I still play it on the 3DS whenever I travel. So that's fun. But, um, before that, I also used to play World of Warcraft and League of Legends a lot. Also hop on League every now and then because it's still super fun. Um, I just don't really get a ton of chances to play. And other than that, I don't know. I mean, I've wrecked face with some Pokemon for, like, decades. But I had to put that down. I had to put the Pokeball down. You had to, you had to kill the Poke addiction. I did. You know, like, um, there's a really hilarious YouTube video called Pikachu on Acid. And there's a, <laughs> there's a moment where Pikachu is lost in the, in the, in the middle of a trip because a Pokemon uses the move Acid on him. And it causes him to hallucinate. And a chair floats through, and it's like, hey, get out of my way. Sixth generation, sorry. And it's just 
made me lose my stuff because it was just so spot on. I feel like such an ancient human because now we're in like the 700s or something in terms of how many there are. And I get that it's like a whole world and we're still discovering species in the real world. So it's totally like normal for the Pokemon world to continue to discover new species. Um, I get it on that level. But on like uh, I'm an old lady, 150 Pokemon was a lot to keep up with to begin with. And now you're going to tell me we have what now kind of thing. I'm not about like it. A thousand. Yeah. So um, too much has gone on. Too many things have happened. Too many people have slept with Ash and broken up with Ash, and nobody ever gave Misty back her bike. There's just too many, too many answers that I need for the series to to quench my thirst. So I had to put it down. You can write Nintendo. I don't. They might be willing to listen. I don't want to have that voice though. You know, like <laughs> I don't want to empower myself that much right now. Not about that. Like if I really want to have a talking point then we need to make a better Harvest Moon because this last one that came out was, like, straight-up um, Minecraft, and it was horrible, and I hate it very, very much. I'm very disappointed. Natsume, I would like a refund, but I didn't take it back to the store in time, so I would like a new game. I was going to say, don't take it back. You get, like, $15 in store credit and... <laughs> oh, if that. Oh, if that. But, you know, it blows my mind. Like, uh, Harvest Moon Games, you can buy it brand new for $35, which is a, a raping because they, like, it's cost that much, if not more, since the N64 days. And, like, the N64 one costs $40 now. What on earth is going on there? But, seriously, back a little bit. Um, Harvest Moon is just, it's failing me right now. I am very disappointed in the Minecraft situation. And yeah, it's like $30 new or 26 or $27 used. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It's because it's a popular game. Oh, so dumb. So dumb. What type of movies do you like? Oh, anime movies. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming, did you? Um, no, I was kind of just looking going, I wonder what she's going to say. So, so anime is, um, it's, are you into like any of the Marvel action flicks that are out now or the DC movies that are getting ready to come out? Any of the sci-fi, you know, like Star Wars or Star Trek or Marvel or DC? I will uh, absolutely be seeing Star Wars, 100%. I am not a huge Star Wars fan. I would definitely say that I am um, happy about it. I'm a Star Wars happy person. Um, I appreciate the movies. I saw them when they came out. Uh, the you know the one two three whenever they came out whenever I was like alive. The, I saw those in theaters and that was really cool. But um, it was never something that like. I knew that you could go otaku status over, so I didn't. <laughs> I don't know. Plus, Leia wasn't all of, like, all of the coolest, like, female character to me ever. So, I, you know, it wasn't like I was like, oh, my God, I want to be Princess Leia. I was all like, oh, my God, I want to be Kimberly from the Power Rangers. So, <laughs> I was having that moment while Star Wars was being a thing. Um, You know, it's funny. Uh, anime really is like the only thing that uh, gets me really excited. As far as being a nerd goes, that is the kind of nerd that I am. If we're talking about other things, 
I just saw the Avengers movie. I am so bad that I can't even. Oh, yeah, Age of Ultron. That's what it was. So I went and saw Age of Ultron, and that was pretty interesting. Um, I didn't even know that Scarlet Witch was Scarlet Witch until the very end because I was fully expecting her to have that, like, bang holdy backy thing, and she didn't. So I didn't know it was her the whole time. That was really dumb. Um, but, like, I don't know. I would go and see Firefly 2. I'm more of, like, a sci-fi. Uh, Battlestar Galactica I loved. I got into that a lot. So that was cool. Um, I'm more of that side of things than okay. other, like, comic book things. Firefly was awesome. Oh, my I God. I wish Fox never canceled it. But that's another story. Let's let's go far, far, far into the future. Let's do it. You're 80 years old, oh. and you're telling your grandchildren your life story. What is the one accomplishment that you'd be most proud of and you would love to share to your grandchildren? What, what's what's the one thing that Danielle did in her life that she just needs to share? Oh, that's, like, really hard and, like, existentially a little bit. Um, You know, I... If I'm being very realistic and honest, it's not going to be a moment or a job title or um, any kind of status that I'm going to tell them, like, this is what's worth it in life. This is what I'm proud of for myself. I think the coolest thing or the thing that I can be most proud of or share with other people is just having the confidence to push through when you feel like you can't. Um there have been some really crazy things that have happened in my life that really accelerated my need to feel validated as a person and to to feel good uh, because I was feeling so bad for such a long time. And so I think having the courage to just be myself and to put that out there for people to judge and for people to say, and, you know, to accept that people are going to say whatever it is that comes to their mind, positive or negative, just because you're putting yourself out there. Um, you're putting yourself out there with the with the intent to give your opinion. And you have to be willing to accept other people. So I think that the one thing that I could say that I would be most proud of is just that I have chosen to live a life that is mine and it is intentionally my own, all the things that I say, all the things I do, I, I am owning them because I have like taken this position in life for myself. I wanted to teach art without having to be in a classroom and I figured out a way to do it. I had no clue that I wanted to grow up to be an artist because I didn't think that was realistic and here I am doing something that I secretly loved and wished that I could have been doing my whole life. So, you know, I think that I think that if people can just learn to to live their life with like an idea of a plan and then just committing to to succeeding for themselves, whatever that means for themselves, then that would be like the coolest thing to be able to pass on to anybody. Grandkids or grand cats or grand humans <sighs> that are not related to me at all. <laughs> awesome. Is there anything else that you would want our listeners to know about you? Um I don't know. Um, let's see. I'm 25. I hate the beach. It's super gross. I love dark rooms and spaces. Do not look for me on Tinder. I am not there. Um, I don't know. I just 
love each other, be be happy humans, keep following your dreams, uh, no matter how nerdy they are, because the nerdier they are, probably the cooler they are, and the cooler you are, and the more likely we are to be best friends. Amen. Forever. And thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I cannot thank you enough for this amazing opportunity and for validating my existence and thinking that I'm awesome enough to waste your brain time in everybody's thinky parts. This is no waste at all. I've <laughs> actually had a lot of fun. Me too. <laughs> Would you like to plug yourself? Any oh, websites, yes. social media, anything? If I'm going to plug myself like a little Glade plug-in, then I'm going to plug it in, plug it in with Twitter first. And that's going to be at Danny Davarona. For Instagram and Twitter, it's going to be Dark Red Heart. And for Facebook, it's going to be Dark Red Heart also. And that's it. That's how I, that's how I do the internet. <laughs> that's going to do it for this episode of the Temple of Geek Podcast. I want to thank Danielle for joining me on this episode. Stay tuned to the TempleofGeek.com for the next all new episode. And as always, thanks for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at Temple of Geek. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Temple of Geek. And remember to visit the TempleofGeek.com. Your one stop for all things geek. Goodbye. This will conclude our transmission.